0: My name is David Grossman, and this is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. Right now, Dan Moreno is away. He's in the UK. So I sit down with longtime friend, Dan Antonucci. Uh, He's a former powerlifter, and currently he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt. We talk about some different things involving bodybuilding, powerlifting, strength and conditioning training, and how it relates to martial arts. Hey, so I'm here today with Dan Antonucci. Um, Dan is Dan Moreno, who, you know, you guys uh, does the podcast along with me. He is actually in the UK currently, so uh, it's just me and my longtime friend Dan Antonucci, and we're kind of going to talk a little bit about strength and conditioning and how that plays into uh, martial arts, but a little bit also how you know, it plays into some of the functional stuff of everyday life. Um, Dan trains with me here. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, and he is a longtime competitive powerlifter. No longer does it, so now it's more just for strength and conditioning and his general love of uh, exercise, but uh, yeah, Dan, you want to share a little bit of uh, not only your mar- martial arts history but some of your uh powerlifting and you know, just physical conditioning stuff that you've done in the past and your opinions on it a little bit?
1: Yeah, um, all right, well, I, I got started in um, in powerlifting like slowly, I didn't immediately this is in like 2000, uh, I would say 2003, this is before YouTube, just before YouTube. Um, and the only thing we had was, uh, Powerlifting Watch Magazine, and you had to kind of, I mean, there was, there was the internet before Web 2.0, so it was kind of like, it was there, but again, no YouTube, and that's really when it started blowing up. Um, so I just, you know, I was lifting weights like every meathead out there, and I was reading the, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) <laughs> Bible of modern bodybuilding, <laughs> second edition from nineteen ninety eight. At that point, and I think I just started lifting weights because I my brothers played football and I didn't like that they were getting stronger than me and bigger than me. And uh, I start I soon realized though that I was less interested in like what I looked like, and I really just wanted to outdo other people physically. So the next logical step for me was um, to just start trying to lift more weight. And then the thing that made more sense to me to lift more weight in were like, real movements that I felt like were functional, like, of course, the squat and the deadlift, but, you know, I also wanted to do the front squat, and I liked variations of deadlifts, like, uh, Romanian or stiff leg, and, uh, I guess I would have liked bench pressing, too, like every, every good meathead does, but I I was never any good at it because of my long arms, um, but, yeah, I wanted to bench a lot, too, But that was soon supplanted by my ability to deadlift and and, and front squat. And eventually, I learned to squat pretty pretty damn well for my frame as well. But, um, yeah, I guess that's how it started. And it it was a slow evolution. And I guess I mentioned YouTube because you don't, you know, without seeing somebody on there with a setup and competitions and, like, hey, I'm a powerlifter, I didn't even know what powerlifting was. Like, I just, I kind of just navigated my way into it without any real example. Yeah, um, well just to keep with talking a little bit about
0: your history before we sort of you know start sure. discussing the bigger picture of what we want to talk about today so you did do um some competitive power lifting so can you talk about that just a little bit just because i don't yeah, I, yeah. I don't think people fully maybe understand what the difference is and we'll talk about this what the difference is between being maybe a bodybuilder somebody who just lifts weight and a power lifter and there's huge differences between all yeah, those things sure, which we'll yes. talk about it's in a, a second but yes. uh just you know, talk a little bit maybe about some of your competitive history, your accolades, you know, your experience a little bit with being in that world and then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how how you eventually found martial arts and what your training history is with that.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Again, I'll tend to I'll tend to ramble. He's got a, he's good he's here to guide me. I, I right ramble place. too, so yeah, 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 I <laughs> at least he can control me. Um yeah. So as I evolved and I and I found out what powerlifting was, and I started reading Powerlifting Watch magazine, and, and then of course there was YouTube, and the internet started kind of lighting up with more powerlifting, you know, content. I realized that I was a powerlifter. I had become one by default, the and then I, um, I actually got with a guy. His name's Mike Admin. He's I think he's a black belt under. Um, under, uh, who's the guy from North Jersey? I keep, I keep forgetting. Uh, Jared Weiner. Yeah, Jared Weiner. How do you say He's him? from, uh, so that's BJJ United, yeah. Okay. So, he's, he, I think he he's was a, based in, uh, Jenkintown. Yeah, okay, he's in Jenkintown. Alright, I, I thought, yeah. but, but Mike Ammon ran this Upper Darby Submission Fighting Gym, and he was under Jared, how do you say he's name? He Weiner or Weiner? I think it's Weiner. Weiner, Jared Weiner. And, but he was a former powerlifter, and he actually, I met him because I, I worked at a GNC that he used to shop at, and you know, By that point, he was already competing in Pan Ams and Worlds and winning in his weight class. But, was, um, but he started guiding me with powerlifting because before I ever was a powerlifter, he was. So it's just a weird coincidence uh, that a jiu-jitsu guy was showing me that. But um, yeah, that was in 2008. And then uh, I started working with Mike Ammon. And he gave me a good guide into, into training. And then I started competing in 2009. Uh, and yeah, that's when I started and i think it took me a while to really blossom as a as as a lifter but i was i was doing well i competed in four raw unity meets and i guess the martial arts community might not be super familiar with that but it was one of the most prestigious raw powerlifting competitions um in the united states and i'd say even the world and i was kind of the guy that, that like went there just to lose to everybody but the fact that i qualified and got to compete with some of these people uh, was incredible, and I was just happy to be there. And I was always like a—I know people hide behind this, and I'm not hiding behind it. But I was a drug-free lifter, so I knew—I knew the limitations that I had. You know what I mean? And I still to be there competing with with uh, you know in an untested meat like that, and 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 not using you know was again, it's no excuse for losing. But I was just glad that I was there and I could hang sometimes. Yeah. Um, so eventually,
0: obviously, found your way to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Can we talk about that a little bit? And then I want to sort of you know get back to the strength and conditioning thing, powerlifting, what is some of the differences between being a bodybuilder, a weightlifter, and a powerlifter. But obviously you found your way to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and maybe you had interest in martial arts before that, but yeah, if you just want
1: to share a little bit about how you eventually found Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Dude it was all I ever wanted the reason I even ever picked up a weight to begin with... Because it was like... I was from a generation where we didn't talk much about martial arts and fighting. Yeah, there was karate, but like... <laughs> it just didn't seem like... Nothing against karate. It just didn't seem like something that I would like or that would work for me. And there was boxing, of course. I've ever been a new Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. And I grew up yeah. uh, 37, so I grew up right in the middle of that. And fighting was like you were Bruce Lee... You were, you know, you were, you know, you were a karate fighter, like, you know, we grew up the karate kid movies, I know they're fake, but still, it was like what was put in front of us, or you were a boxer, and I never liked the idea of striking anybody. Yeah. I didn't want to get hit, and I didn't feel like I could deliver the kind of strikes that would be threatening, so I, I kind of avoided it, and I thought, I'll just lift weights and, you know, just be real big, and that, that'll that make me real tough, and it's stupid, and and it took me a while, but... When I finally achieved what I wanted to in powerlifting, I had dropped down to the 148 class, which is the lightest I ever was, and I, I was hitting the numbers I was hitting in heavier weight classes in the 148 class, and I finally hit the numbers I wanted to in 2016, and it had been on my mind for a while, but that's when I finally said, all right, I've got to make the switch over, and it was a slow grinding switch because I had to get out of that mode where I constantly had to be lifting weights for everything I did and get into and do less of the lifting and more of the real, the real physical fighting. And it took a while, but when I finally understood what I was getting into, it was all I ever wanted to do to begin with, and I realized that all the lifting in the world wasn't gonna make a difference on its own. And I think a lot of men are stuck in that mentality where they think because they're, they're lifting weights hard and because it is very taxing on the body and because they look imposing, somehow they, they are. And some people genetically can be that way, but all in all, until you start really fighting with somebody and struggling against another person in, in real time in 3D motion, you have no idea. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I guess I'm just <laughs> talking about my realization of this fact. Yeah, well, uh,
0: you know, um, that's, that's definitely – so there is some truth I feel like to um, – it's not necessarily that you know how to fight when you've put on that size, but to the average person who does also not know how to fight – they see the bigger animal, right? All right, so the bigger man or or woman or whatever you know the situation is, and they're like, "I'm I'm going to back off of this because this guy looks big and strong." And and there's something to be said about that, you know. It's the same thing; animals do it all the time. The, the loud animal scares off the right. <laughs> the true. timid timid predator, you know. And it's it, it that happens a lot too, you know. You see those two approaches a lot. Uh, I feel like from people that don't really know how to fight per se you know and 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 there's people that maybe do take those approaches but they're not that do know how to fight but for the most part i think that those are two strategies that people that don't really know how to fight and haven't been in that world do it's like hey if i'm really loud this person's going to get intimidated and leave me alone if i'm really big this person's going to leave me alone and i mean if I'm preaching to the choir here with you, and you know there's different levels of, of the, the the world that we're talking about right now, fighting and self defense, uh, that probably you guys as listeners are at, but like uh, one has nothing to do with the other for one, right. but the other thing is is that uh, most of the people that train a lot, they're some of the most nice, unassuming. They don't want any problems. I'm gonna go out. If I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna mind my own business. I'm not gonna say anything to anybody because anybody's capable of anything. You're like like, this little scrawny guy that looks like nothing is a beast. This little this guy who looks like he's overweight and is out of shape. I hate to tell you guys, he never gets tired and he's super flexible and ridiculously strong. Right, so you start to have those experiences when you actually train in fighting arts. Where you're like, okay,
1: the look doesn't always back up the actual performance in a fight and that's it goes back to that signaling thing the animals was a great example or like you know when a cat you know hunches its back and sticks its fur up it looks like you know 25 percent bigger than it really is and yeah we're nothing but animals really and and that gym culture and that meathead culture is just signaling yeah it's just animalistic signaling so not but but, but, there is a benefit there is a benefit though let me say i 've trashed it a little bit <laughs> there, there is a benefit to doing you know Olympic lifts and power lifts and strength and conditioning when combined with serious martial arts training
0: yeah so and and um so Dan moreno, who 's not here right now, um we talked about this a couple times that self defense is more than just being able to fight um, you know there's all these other aspects, and one aspect is if I need to flee and get away, can I get away? What if I need to move something? Can I move it? Like, you know, and again, this is big, big picture. You know, it's like, if a fire occurs, can I pick my child up, my girlfriend up, my father up, whatever, and run with them and get them to safety? If I need to kick down this door, to get into this room that's locked,
1: can I kick down this door? Or how about just waking up? I mean, these are all extreme situations. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? yeah of, course, of course. Yeah. Hopefully no one here ever has to deal with that. Yeah. But if you do, of course you want to think that you can. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and doing, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu... Being a grappler and, of course, doing, doing weight training will help with that. But how about just the everyday stuff where you get up out of bed every morning and feel capable? Yeah. And you don't feel like the basic... <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the basic everyday tasks that people do every day become some, some kind of mountain climbing, you know, test. Like, so I work in a UPS store and, you know, there's tons of boxes being moved all the time. And I'm absolutely astounded by how physically weak, out of shape, and how weak-minded some of the people are who come in there. They have to carry in like a twenty, thirty-pound box. It might be sixteen by sixteen by sixteen. You know, you act like you asked them to carry a beer keg in. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 some of it's, you know, just again a mindset. But when you when you when you do jujitsu, or, or when you even if you just go to the gym a lot, you, it gives you a certain confidence level where you start putting things in perspective and realizing that. You know, every moment that you have isn't like an FM, FML moment. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh God, I gotta carry this into the store, and you you just start, you just walk with posture, and you realize that you're strong enough, and your mind is strong enough, and your body to, to be capable to do everything you need to do in your life. I don't know if that might be a little bit in this, yeah, speech, but yeah, yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and
0: let's uh, you know, get maybe a little bit more focused on Sorry. no, no, we're we're focused exactly on what we're talking about, but I want to, you know, now start to talk a little bit more about. You know, maybe why strength and conditioning matters and what is the difference between a bodybuilder, a power lifter, or and just a weightlifter, because I think lots of people don't realize that there is a difference. And in fact, there's probably gonna be some people that are offended by the fact that we're saying there is a difference and there is a huge difference. Um I personally think, period, it's vastly different when you're training for performance versus training for looks. Right. Um and, and you know lots of the people that look the best man when they look at their greatest they're weak as a piece of paper man yeah. <laughs> like 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 the, the like I, I mean again it's not that they're not strong people right. i'm going to use bodybuilders as an example it's not that they're not necessarily strong there are bodybuilders that are strong and you'll probably tell me that there's bodybuilders that relative to their size they are aren't very strong and you would know better because you've been in the power I've all types, yeah. yeah um but the thing is is that when those guys look shredded and ripped like that they're so dehydrated and so malnourished to get that look. I I think you if you blew on them too hard, some of these guys would fall over.
1: Yeah, well that's that's a, a moment in time that they exist yeah. in for for again. I never I never did any bodybuilding. It was never you know, and when I finally started getting serious with lifting weights, it was again I quickly evolved into becoming a, a strength athlete, I guess you could call it. But um yeah, that's that's just for the uh, competitions. In in real life, yeah, they're usually much heavier, and you know, and it's not the lack of strength comes from the emphasis on working on exercises that will cause a lot of small tears in muscle fibers to to sculpt their bodies. Yeah, and I I
0: I, right. I I'm I'm in agreement with that. I want to I want us to delve into that
1: a little bit more in a
0: second. But my point is that what is being considered like the perfect male physiques that we're being are being shoved down our throats and the perfect woman's physique that's also being shoved down our throat well, you just need butt implants for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but but that's a different conversation <laughs> i know uh like the thing is is like um so we have the fitness models and right. the bodybuilders as being like this thing and i'm going to talk obviously we're going to talk more from the men's perspective because we're men um but the same thing happens to women um and on some levels, I think it's worse for women, and on some levels, I think it's worse for men. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that the aspect of what's being fed to men visually about other men's body isn't talked about a lot. It's not. It's kind of like a like something that everybody's aware of, but nobody wants to talk about. Is like this idea of, like, I need to be super muscular with these huge deltoids and biceps, like arm size is an indicator of strength, which... People that are really strong will tell you that's not the, an indicator, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, exactly. But it's like when those guys look the way they look, whether they're a fitness model doing a fitness shoot for Muscle and Fitness magazine or it's a body, I don't even know, is Muscle Fitness a bodybuilder magazine or just a regular I don't know phase. if any of those <laughs> magazines exist anymore. I, mean, I think most things are yeah. just on your phone Or the now. Instagram yeah. Instagram fit model you see or the bodybuilders you see. The image they're portraying at those moments are usually when they are depleted nutritionally. Right. Depleted. Right. Dehydrated. And those are the images that are being presented as this perfect male physique. And yeah. But, like, you, you're you telling me that those guys, if they get into a fight with Daniel Cormier, those of you who don't know who <laughs> Daniel Cormier is, <laughs> yes. Daniel right. Cormier is the heavyweight champion <laughs> of the UFC, and he is an uh, an Olympic uh, wrestler. He qualified for the Olympics twice. And he has a gut. I mean, now, uh, at this th- point, is a heavyweight. What, what, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you telling me those guys stand a chance against Daniel Cormier and Daniel Cormier is not what we would consider the ideal male physique with what is what we're getting shoved down our throats, you know? And, 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 and like, th- these are the things that, you know, people need to say and hear. um, you know, it's like performance and skill and technique and being able to handle yourself. And again, this is a martial arts podcast. So we're talking about fighting more than anything like to be able to perform. You do not always look the best. Performance well, is, is – is, there's other things that factor into performance and there are guys that look great and perform really well too. They can exist together but usually right. the people that are being presented as these great – this is the ideal man. This is what they should look like.
1: At that moment of time when those they pictures are, not, are taken, you know, they are not, they're, they're right. not performance based. Well, there's that, there's the, uh, there's the infamous body fat number, and you know, I, <laughs> the BMI. The, yeah. BMI. Or I think It's just like it, you want to attach, you want to attach a percent to it. Like yeah. in this photograph, this guy had six <laughs> percent body. fat, right? Whatever that number might be, we're just making an approximation here. I think that, and I found this for myself. Um, because again, when I was younger, I was a little more into what I looked like, but as I started letting myself eat more, I gained a little more fat. I found myself to be stronger and performing better. Um, and that was just in, and that was just in powerlifting, you know, you know, juxtaposing against the way I was when I first started lifting weights and I wanted to look like a model. Um, cause again, I said in the beginning of it, I, you know, it was kind of dabbling and you know, I wasn't fully a powerlifter yet. Um, whatever that body fat percentage is, some people try to say it's twelve. Some try to say it's fifteen. Some try to say it's ten. And again, the number is going to be different for men and women, and it's going to be different for every man. Yeah. Um, but when you start letting yourself to have a little bit of a cal- caloric surplus, and you start, you know, holding uh, maybe a little more water and a little more fat, I'm not. This is not. This is not an invitation to to become inefficient and become sloppy. But it is. It is what Dave's saying is that that point is where you're at your most uh, physically efficient. And then the next question is all right, how much can I weigh and still make a, a, a weight cut that's not gonna affect my performance the next day or in a few hours or whatever your time limit is. Right, so yeah. it's really not like saying like, hey, all right, I guess the point I'm making here is that these people that you see in, in photo shoots are training specifically for a photo shoot and it's all for the photo shoot. And, you know, if you let them rehydrate the next day and do whatever they're gonna do, it is not gonna be at the level that somebody who is who is training and eating Uh, for performance in whatever sport they're involved in and they're sacrificing uh, you know van they're sacrificing performance for the vanity so yeah Yeah.
0: Um, real quick before we jump into the difference between bodybuilding weightlifting and powerlifting Uh, just so everybody has an idea your uh, highest deadlift and what
1: how much did you weigh when you did your highest deadlift well, yeah, deadlifting. Was, like I said, I have long arms. There's this uh, bencher deadlifter dichotomy, I guess, and you could say this doesn't go for everybody. Some people are born with it all, but for the most part, there's a deadlifter's build with long arms and kind of like a pigeony kind of chest, and then there's a bencher's build with short arms and a bulldogish kind of chest. I fell into the deadlifting category. I had to find out that way, find that out by evolving into it. But yeah, I, I deadlifted six hundred at one eighty one. I was not very. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it, but that was not my best lift because at 181 in, in in that weight class there are there are people that are that are pulling way more than that. But what I was able to do was drop the weight to 148 and I did weigh in at 148 and I deadlifted 562 and that I'm very proud of. Yeah, I can't imagine moving those numbers period. Uh. That was a huge drop in <laughs> weight, yeah, and it was and I kept, you know, I kept whatever that was. Uh however many pounds it was i said it's 562 so yeah i mean having the
0: conversation of throwing around 560 pounds or 600 pounds is something that i I, i'm nowhere near being able to do you know and that's that's fine um but i mean man well we'll talk a little bit i want to come back at some point and talk about how you used to train when you you did that stuff because i i was around we were friends at that point so i remember having conversations of you being like i'm going in my garage i'm going to work out until I can't peel myself off the floor and then yeah. go eat a couple of gallons of ice cream. <laughs> I, was never, I was never, into the, uh, the health food part um, of it until so, I had to be. So, um, and I, I want us to be very clear. This is our opinions. It's not fact. Um, bodybuilding. Let's start with bodybuilding and then we'll go to weightlifting versus powerlifting. And then we'll talk about how strength and conditioning can, you know, help you as A martial artist especially if you're a martial artist who wants to compete and kind of help you you know in your everyday life as well so in your opinion and I'll, i'll jump in a little bit here what qualifies as being a bodybuilder versus
1: a weightlifter or a powerlifter bodybuilding is 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 purely for looks um that's it that's really the answer is that everything you do revolves around how is this going to make me look better you know, in, in the eyes of the judges, yeah. if you're a competitor. And if you're not a competitor, how is this going to make me look better in the eyes of just myself and anybody around me who's evaluating my physique? It's all about the physique. And there's a lot of crossover into powerlifting, but ultimately you're going to sacrifice any kind of powerlifting or, or any kind of food consumption that you need to to make your physique what it, what it needs to look like to be successful.
0: Yeah, and I, I think in, in the bodybuilding thing, one of the main things that gets kind of forgotten about is how much diet plays a part in that and and lots of those guys are also that i I don't know if you can be a professional bodybuilder without some uh help from an illegal friend i mean
1: (laughs) you can't be a pro athlete not you can't of course you can but but you cannot be in the world of if you are a pro athlete you are inevitably going to bump into a lot of people that are getting help yeah however in, (laughs) in professional bodybuilding um, you're going to bump into nobody. <laughs> I mean, unless you do natural competitions, yeah, yeah. which again is kind of separated into a different category. I'm yeah. talking, you know, if you're just going into the open bodybuilding competitions, you know, your chances of getting in there and becoming, a, I guess, an NPC competitor, or a pro, are probably zero percent. Yeah, like, like I mean, especially
0: a pro. Get a I pro mean, card. those those guys are definitely working out really hard. There's not even a question. I'm not about taking look, Look, yeah. look,
1: look. steroids is. are, are <laughs> a reality of high level sports and, and physical competitions, hands down. And those people are working harder than, than most people will ever dream in their lives. Yeah, in addition to that, I, yeah. I would never do it,
0: but they're, they're choosing to sacrifice long term health for their short term goals. Regardless of right. anybody's feelings yeah. on it, that is literally what, what's going on. They are making the decision that their short-term goals are more important than their long-term health. And that's, again, that's a different conversation about the morality of it or not. Um, it's something that I would never do myself. But, you know, again, people decide what they want to do with their lives and that's up to them. Um, but yeah, the bodybuilding, thing, I agree, man, it's, it's all about the look. And I think people are shocked sometimes if they've ever find out what some of these guys are actually lifting sometimes. of course they put on the show sometimes of lifting really heavy and they do really really lift heavy sometimes but it's more about destroying the muscle fibers and having them rebuild bigger than it is about lifting heavy weights trying to like be like this is what i lifted this week i need to make sure by next week i am lifting this much and i need to make sure i am peaking with how much i can lift by the time it's a competition which is what power is all about you need to train increase your strength and then peak at the correct time because if you don't it, you could be strong as an ox three weeks before your competition but if you peaked at the wrong time you might be moving 40 pounds less when it's actually time to compete right? yeah
1: yeah it's really a matter of of right training up to a peak so to say you know you, you can you can you can build your training that's what i used to do is build my regimen up to like lowering reps as as the as i got closer to the competition and then i would take like two weeks from Or a week or two weeks depending on the exercise of not lifting anything close to what i could max out at but the key is you just don't want to be you don't want to be tired you don't want your joints to be beat up you want to be you want to be feeling as fresh as you can for the competition and i want to go
0: we we delve a little bit deeper into the strength and conditioning thing along with your martial arts that's one thing i want to talk about because i think i know from in brazilian jiu-jitsu i think that lots of times uh the hard training isn't cut off for everybody at the right time. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's wrap up just the bodybuilding stuff, which I, yeah. I think yeah. where Body, we're... There
1: are some incredibly... Look, look, there are some bodybuilders who might be listening to this going, I'm very strong, I know this. There are some extremely strong bodybuilders out there because you can take different approaches to bodybuilding. You, you're really not going to build your back, legs, and chest if you aren't doing heavy, heavy presses, squats, and deadlifts, especially in the beginning when you're building a base of muscle if you're you know, new to bodybuilding. Um, And sometimes, you know, the beginnings of bodybuilding and powerlifting don't look that different. Yeah. Um, So there are, and then again, depending on genetic types and then your training preference, and then of course everybody's different, so what gives you success? You're going to find bodybuilders, you know, into the the twilight of their careers that are still going to be doing serious powerlifting as part of their regimen. And they're there, and they have great form, and they're squatting below parallel, and they can deadlift without wraps, and they can pause a... Of, uh, a bar on their chest for a bench press because, again, I, I guess I'm not illustrating this right. When you, when you power lift, you have to do your deadlifts without straps, meaning things that, it's basically a wrap that holds the bar onto your hand, so you don't have to have the grip strength necessary to hold the weight. You know, power you can't do that. And in bodybuilding, you have to, I'm sorry, in powerlifting, you have to pause the, the, the bar on your chest when you're benching to show that you have control over it. It's at a judge's command. And then, of course, you have to get your hips below the top of your knees, squat below parallel in a powerlifting meet. So there are plenty of bodybuilders out there that are doing this, but because it's not a requirement and it's only necessary, uh, you know, to varying levels depending on, on the bodybuilder, you're going to see a lot of bodybuilders that, again, aren't as strong. right? And yeah. then there's a lot of machines being used and cables and pulleys and things that are just not going to make you that strong.
0: Yeah, and, and you've got to focus on breaking down right. the individual right. muscles. like. um, intent which is something that I talk about a lot with martial arts and specifically obviously about jiu-jitsu it's like what's your intent why are you picking this as and, and this is a little bit more like grand scheme of jiu-jitsu like why are you picking the school you train at like what's your reasons for training and some people don't ever think they're just like this is something that's fun i like doing it but like, are you training just because it's like you like the people you hang around with and you enjoy this as your form of exercise. Are you train because you want to be a world-class competitor? Are you training because you like competing a little bit and you just want to compete for fun? Are you training because you want self-defense? Because maybe you live in a rough neighborhood or you're afraid you're going to get attacked? Are you training because you want to be an MMA fighter? Like, what's your intent for training? That's going to inform your training. Well, the bodybuilder's intent is to look the best and have the muscles be as big as possible, and to eventually yeah. have as little body fat as possible, and to present the most attractive package to this select group of people that are judging it.
1: A good way, and that's, that's well said. And a good way to put it is this. And I, it's, it's like it's all coming. I should have thought. I should have brainstormed more before I did this. But it's all kind of coming back to me now from back to my powerlifting days. People used to say, "Well, what's your split? What's your what's your split? What's your schedule for your you're powerlifting, and they didn't because most people aren't powerlifters, most are just recreational gym goers or bodybuilders of some type. And they're like, Well, one day I do chest, and one day I do legs, and one day like when you're a powerlifter, you don't have like a leg day. You know, now it's popular, everybody, you know, squatting is the hardest, you know, squatting and deadlifting. So, you know, for you know, especially for squatting, they would say, I have a leg day, you know, everybody wants to kill their legs, and you know, with well, that's I admire that, at least it's it's not the way it was at the turn of the millennium when, when everybody just you know benched three times a week. But um, <laughs> in bicep curls. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, you know, a power lift. It's a segue into the power lifting uh, description here. We're going to get into. You, you don't have a a leg day. You don't have a chest day when you're a power lifter. I mean, you might find some out there that do that, but for the most part, you're training your squats. You're training your deadlifts. You're training your bench press, and then you're doing your auxiliaries. And your your auxiliaries are anything that's going to make your squat, bench, and deadlift bigger. So let's just jump
0: in now talking about again what is a power lifter and what's the difference between power lifting bodybuilding and weightlifting. we'll do weightlifting at the end uh so like i think you put that really well and ultimately again intent the intent of the right. power lifter exactly. is to lift the most amount of weight in those three lifts deadlift yes. squat and bench press the most amount of weight they can lift at whatever they're going to weigh in it competition that's exactly right and th- like everything else exactly is irrelevant right. it doesn't matter if you if what works for you is doing squats 10 days in a row and that's what works for you as an individual you're going to squat 10 days in a row that's right you and don't and care about do. yeah some load up <laughs> squats
1: i mean i've seen power that are among the best in the world that, that would squat like six days a week or something yeah you know it,
0: it has nothing to do with like beating up the muscle so it grows bigger it's about not at all when i compete this weight I need to move the most weight on one of those three exercises. Your worth,
1: again, perfectly stated, your worth, succinctly though, your worth as a power lifter is what weight class did you weigh in at and what did you lift in your three lifts added up? That's it. That is your worth. Anything beyond, you could walk up on the, when you power lift, it's called the platform is, you know, we have the mat. We say, you know, I want to get on the mats. Well, in powerlifting you want to get on the platform. That's the competition. That's where the, that's the place where the competitions occurs is the powerlifting platform. So it's not literally a platform, but anyway. Um, so, you know, when you step onto the platform, I mean, cause I was a judge too. I've, 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 I've judged for, I think I judged from 2010 to 2016. So yeah, so I was a judge for a long time too, and I saw, I saw the most jacked guys that you know that, that either could have been or were actually bodybuilders simultaneously while they were powerlifting because there's kind of like, remember the movie Zoolander? There were slashies. They did both, but. um, and uh but then I saw people that, that really they looked like twigs and then they would they would deadlift immense amounts of weight. So it didn't I I wasn't looking at what they looked like. I was looking at their the, the bar and their bodies in motion and I was trying to make sure that the bar was doing things that it was supposed to do and not doing things that it was not supposed to do. And I was looking at their bodies, making sure that their bodies were moving in the way that they needed to, so they didn't violate any rules. Not form evaluation, but evaluation of the technique as it pertained to the rule book, if that makes sense. Yeah and and, and well the form thing is a great topic. Uh, I've seen amazing lifts with terrible form. Some people even have accused me of not having good yeah. form at times. Form is relative to the person. I mean there are some do's and don'ts that are in concrete, but all in all, especially as you get more experience in powerlifting, form can become relative. Well, in
0: addition to that, your, your lift has to be a legal lift in powerlifting, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. There's, a no, lot of rules. there's no legal lifts in, in bodybuilding. There and are again, not. the only thing that you're focused on is, is the exercise targeting the specific exactly muscles right. that I'm trying to target?
1: That's why you'll see bodybuilders, you know, when they're squatting, sometimes they don't squat even to parallel, let alone below. But why are they doing that? Because they're trying to target the quads, the front of their, the front of their legs. And you, you do keep a lot of emphasis on the quads when you don't go down as deep. So you know that would you get red lighted and disqualified all day in powerlifting if you don't squat below parallel, uh, below parallel. So, but the powerlifter is not trying to build his legs up. You know, uh, there are partial squats done in powerlifting to to increase the amount you can squat. I've never found them to be that effective, and I don't think they're that popular. So most powerlifters are going to go to, they're like box squats and stuff. But I think, and the other thing too is I'm coming from a raw perspective in powerlifting uh, 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 paradigm here. This is this is this is. Uh, powerlifting done without supportive equipment. Again, I, I, there's nothing wrong with using supportive equipment. It's, it's a pretty cool thing in and of itself, but, um, you know, we're talking about when you lift, you know, the most you can wear is a belt and uh, knee warmers, things that keep your knees warm, and, and uh, they're just called knee sleeves. They don't, you slide them up over your knees, and they may add a little bit of weight to what you squat. You know, the, 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 the bait is on for that, depending on the brand you buy, but they're really there... Um, Of course, you know, you want to get anything out of it, you can, but they're really there more than anything for, uh, to keep your knees warm and really for just like moral support. You feel, you feel better when you wear them. So yeah,
0: uh, now we've talked about those bodybuilding, powerlifting, the weightlifter. So to me, and Dan, you can jump in and share your opinion. I think that the weightlifter is kind of the person who's just going to the gym and they're not worried about being a bodybuilder, not worried about being a powerlifter, they are just like i'm gonna go i'm gonna keep myself fit and i'm hoping to look a better at the end of it and and, and there's there's not really much goals behind that or beyond that and, and that's true of some people not true of everyone but like the power lifter knows that they need to increase their strength and they know i'm going to compete at this weight and these are the numbers i most likely need to hit to be competitive or reach this percentile of the competitors that are out there the bodybuilder knows hey I need my muscles to look at this size. And they have an idea of what the top guy's measurements are. You can find those things out. Size they, proportionality, yeah, there's they, a lot of things. Yeah, they know that. They know, like, how, like, I, I need to present a good posing package. Oh, yeah. I need to yeah, present yeah, yeah. a nice tan body. Like, there's things to measure against. But if you're kind of a weightlifter, yeah. When well, you say
1: weightlifter, kind of, I should have asked you this before. Do you mean an Olympic weightlifter or you mean no, a guy who
0: just lifts no, weights? No, just a guy who lifts weights. Because Oli- Olympic
1: weightlifters, in my opinion, are incredible. Yeah, and, and to a certain extent, and I'm,
0: I'm, I'm incorrect in saying this, and, and, but uh, I kind of, in this conversation, was almost kind of grouping that group in with the powerlifting group. Because, again, you're lifting with a very okay. specific goal. Right. Uh, and you're, you're doing specific lifts where the only thing that matters is what is that number on that lift? Right. So yeah, I, I kind of am grouping the Olympic lifters in with the yeah. Power the,
1: Olympi- the Olympic lifters, while while being very different, it's the same format as powerlifting in that you're getting weighed in, and you're on a platform and you're being judged. It's, instead of being competing in three lifts, you're competing in two. Yeah. And it's the same it's the same idea in that respect. The the athleticism, strength, and explosivity of, of an Olympic weightlifter is, in my opinion, superior to powerlifting. And uh, not, there are a lot of very athletic powerlifters, and I feel like you know a lot of the success that i that i've had in at least picking up some of the the movements in in jiu-jitsu and in the wrestling that i work on here is are due to all the years i spent with powerlifting but i have to give it to the olympic weightlifters and uh they're just they're actually incredible athletes yeah so going
0: to the the lifting lifters or weightlifters i just think that's what i think i think it's just the recreational person who goes to the gym that's oh, what yeah, i think when all I say yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with it. i actually think there's a certain level of beauty in that because you're just going and doing something because you enjoy it yeah or at least i hope i hope you're not you're, your pure motivation isn't just how i look because if, if that's your pure motivation i think you're going to get burned out quickly
1: personally but everybody has their own goals you know um well the nice thing about just lifting weights recreationally is is that you can you can what you find is that people will dabble in a little bit of everything when they do it you know they'll 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 all they'll be sometimes they'll be thinking like you know I don't know what they're doing at all but for the most part it's it's all elements or small pieces of of other strength sports combined even even some of the strongman stuff is being being brought into gyms now where people are are pushing on sleds I guess that's kind of like for football or sometimes I've seen people carrying yokes which is a strongman thing um you, know, you can lift that with stones you know it's this stuff is a little harder to find, but more and more gyms are are adding these areas where you can do that, so you can pick and choose you know elements of 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 whatever strength string sport you want to be involved in and you you can do that
0: so let's kind of move on to now how does this all play into the fact that you're doing martial arts why should you do this thing? do you need to do this thing and I'm going to be honest dan Dan knows this i i waver back and forth sometimes i do not think that you're ever hurting yourself by doing extra strength and conditioning and doing that other stuff but to a certain extent i also think that uh it's good to have a certain level of technique before you start putting too much of that stuff in as a martial artist um i mean i definitely no joke i feel the advantage is that the strength stuff has given you for sure but i also think to a certain extent for most people build up the technique and then add that in as a an auxiliary thing because man obviously we do brazilian jiu-jitsu so it's hard for me to say some of the other martial arts brazilian jiu-jitsu in and of itself can be pretty hard it's extremely and hard. pretty exhausting extremely and pretty rough hard. and pretty beating up and and you know uh so you you obviously can attest to this because you see you see the difference in my training when i'm getting ready for a competition versus when i'm just training to improve um the training during when i'm getting ready to comp
1: for competitions it's it's brutal man i'll like do things you've seen i've seen sides of you and things about you that you know in our normal rolling patterns and like i kind of know what dave's going to do and then when you know when he's getting ready for for a competition i'm like yeah, he just did something I'm not used to him doing and, you know, he takes me down. That doesn't happen very often. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to be on my back. <laughs> yeah, or even, or even like, like, I mean, you've, again, you've seen this. His firsthand. normal plot is where he's jamming his <laughs> shin bone into my, uh, of my face. Yeah, it's,
0: it's not only the, the moves I'm picking, but it's like I'll make sessions where I'm like, okay, you, nobody can give me a minute off. We set a timer. You guys all have to jump in. And if people are like, oh, you need a second. I'm like, no, no, you don't give me a second. I need to go right now right exactly and I've right. done the same thing for you when you've been getting ready for competitions it's like no man we got a shark tank you for for you those of you that don't know what shark tanking is it's you throw a new body in after whatever the set rules are it could be a set of time it could be hey we're going until somebody catches a sub next person stand up and go slap bump go and and like I to me that's an essential thing for multiple reasons it's like what am I going to do when I'm exhausted and I've got nothing left uh like and like it's helping prepare it's also helping build up my cardio and like uh i do think that it's very important to have a strategy and like these are the moves that i'm planning to do this is where i want to go it's not just like oh i'm gonna let the match go wherever it's gonna go no it's like i want to get the takedown i want to get on top i'm gonna use this takedown i'm gonna use this guard pass i'm gonna control them this way i'm gonna try and go for these submissions i think that's important but as you need to train with like some intensity and let that go out the window a little bit in your training so you can build up the endurance and you can build up the cardio and you can build up the when i've got nothing left in the tank can i still go and you'll be amazed with how much you actually when you think you have nothing left how much you actually do have left
1: that's what that's what Brazilian jiu-jitsu taught me um and especially I use kind of a more physical approach to it but anybody who does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu whether you're using a lot of wrestling or a lot of physical part of my physicality is I don't know anything yet I've been doing this for like you know just <laughs> you, under you do know
0: stuff trust me you do know more than you're giving yourself credit for but,
1: but I mean I'm, you know but you know what I'm saying I'm just a blue yeah. belt I've been training for a little under two and a half years and you know some of it does revert back to just having ex- explosiveness and strength but to to the the less experienced uh, martial artists out there, I'm sure there's some listening, um, and I group myself in with that. You know, with with grappling. Um, I remember that when I was when I was powerlifting, I'd be squatting, you know, three fifty, you know, four hundred, sometimes even five hundred pounds. I'd have it on my back, and in that you know ten twenty second period that I was doing the lift, it was real. It was scary sometimes. Like yeah, I was confident, but. When I would go down and then I'd break parallel and I'd stand up, I'd be like, you know, I've got to get through this. And sometimes my, my mind would work in slow motion thinking and you don't want to think about failure. But if you're a little obsessive like I am, sometimes, you know, you'll you you'll, you'll screw your your mind'll screw you a little bit. What and that was that was and then of course in pa, in, in competition when you stepped in front of the judges on the powerlifting platform and it was scary sometimes, even as experienced as I was, I've been doing it for I guess fifteen years now. But what, what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu taught me and i've done I've done two uh two tournaments so far, not a lot, but at least I've done it so I can speak with a little experience is that 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 keep going like that going beyond the point that you think you can't keep going when you're struggling against another person who's coming at you with everything they have too um, is a feeling that, that that nothing can can duplicate I remember saying that you know the endurance factor and the mental toughness factor, and the and the, the to, to not allow yourself to to cave under the pressure of a physical altercation. Uh, after my, I told Dave this, after my first competition I did as a white belt, I said this makes powerlifting competitions, and sometimes even the training look like a picnic. And and again, I'm not taking away from powerlifting, but martial arts and fighting and a physical altercation is the most primal form of human physicality and it cannot be replicated in any other way. And I firmly believe that every other sport out there or physical activity out there is really just an attempt to to do that, to try to replicate the primal nature and the truth of a physical altercation. I firmly believe that. So, uh, quick
0: question is, jiu-jitsu competitions and grappling competitions a fight or not because people argue that all the time well when i say a
1: fight yeah no no
0: no this is important this is i mean a fight you consider it a fight though i actually do consider it a fight. i
1: consider it a jiu fight or yeah. a grappling fight that does not mean okay a, a true fight in in the broadest scope of things if, if anything is legal even mma doesn't fall in that category. exactly <laughs> and, I mean, because, and then you can say well all right well i'm gonna fight you and we're gonna have a street fight all right, fine, we'll fight with our fists, but then where do you draw the line there? What if we're fighting and there's something that's next to you and I can stab you with it? Yeah. You know? Well, is that part of the fight? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 look, I'm, it's, as, as, a, as a grappler, I'm not sitting here trying to say, well, you know, all I need is grappling, or a boxer might say, all I need is boxing. No, no, no. These are not complete ways of fighting, but they're still a fight within their own genre. So I feel like lots of t-
0: people that make the argument that it's not a fight, they're like, well, there's no punching or kicking. And it's like... Well, in a boxing match there's, there's no kick out but boxing right. is because and there's no grappling and it's like on the flip side yeah in a grappling match i might not get punched in the face but if i get caught in an arm bar and i'm with somebody who has no v- remorse for my safety they can slap that arm bar so quick my arm is shattered in half yeah or if i don't tap and it's not like that's on me obviously if i don't tap but there's people that will hold on to the last second and the other person gives them the courtesy of being like I'm cranking it, but I'm not going to break it. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to tap. And then, boom, snap. And you see that. You can find videos of people's arms getting snapped from camorras, yeah. People's getting their, their knees destroyed from heel hooks and stuff like that. People's ankles getting dislocated. There's a, 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 a one from a few years ago where uh, Hamalo Baral, who is a, 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 I'm probably butchering his name, but uh, he's, a, he's a black belt uh, and a world-famous black belt, one of the best guys to ever put on a gi. Um, Gracie Baja guy his he is winning by points and it was worlds and he let his ankle get dislocated from a toehold instead of tapping and you're telling me that you're going to go tell that dude that's not a fight yeah that, let alone that dude is a monster that dude is like one of the, the the top savages in the world and in that moment he was and he's already won multiple world championships he was like i would rather take the risk of thinking my ankle's not going to dislocate and tough it out and try and win this match by points don't tell me that dude's not, not in a fight and he's not a savage and he's not a monster and all those things. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't personally do it, but, you know, the dude's a beast, man. A
1: fight is a fight, and there are many ways of fighting. As long as you're in a physical altercation, you're, you're in a fight. Um, some fights are more dangerous than others. Some are more complete than others. Some are more inclusive than others or exclusive, but a fight is a fight. That's, that's just a fact. I mean, as far as, as, far as, getting, as far as getting hit or not getting hit exactly, like, if you're, if you're a striker... Um, you know what? What is the reason that most of the successful mixed martial artists either use a lot of wrestling or have a wrestling background? Yeah, that there's a reason for that. So, so grappling and, and especially Brazilian Jiu Jitsu are a big part of being a complete fighter. And if you want to fight within that that specific genre, it it is an, it is indeed a fight. It gets. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't. This is where my experience kind of lets me down a little bit. But when I did that competition as a white belt. Um, it was absolutely brutal I mean, part of it is because the skill level was low yeah even if it's higher it doesn't matter you know i had i think the most matches of anybody in my school i don't remember how many matches i had but um i had to just keep going in and going against these people that were doing everything they could to 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 either maul me or, or or submit me from their guard and and i had a little bit of both and uh it was extremely rough and and uh the next morning I woke up and it actually was the sorest I ever was in my life. I had trouble getting out of my bed and moving around the first day after. And um, I don't know what caused that or why, but the intensity level, I had several several marks on my face from being elbowed. I don't even remember. <laughs> Maybe I was punched. I don't remember yeah, how it deeper happened. a deep burn, probably other yeah. things, you know. Uh, the cauliflower on my ear uh, was already giving me problems, but I had to actually have it drained again and it, it deformed it to the state that it's in now. It's the worst it's ever been. So yeah, I I was in a I was in a in a fight and and uh and I felt it and uh yeah, it was it was very very difficult the, the intensity level yeah. was so high.
0: Yeah. Um so I want to start to wrap it up a little bit, but um for I did for those of you that are aware of this, there's a traveling competition called Fight to Win Pro. I did it uh back in April of this year. And well, I didn't have the result I wanted. I lost by referee's decision, and some of that was uh i didn't really ever turn on the aggressive aggressive switch which you know sucks but you live and learn part of that was my strategy and i was going to turn on the aggressive switch a little bit into the match but i did a more strength and conditioning during getting ready for that match than i've ever done during my jujitsu time and man i was it felt like i was in incredible shape and i'm you trained with me a bunch for that i felt like my gas tank was was on and i felt like i didn't have to worry about getting tired and that is one of the biggest benefits i feel like strength and conditioning can give you but again in my opinion you need the technique first in what we're talking about right now on the fight stuff but it makes a huge difference and i don't want to pretend like it doesn't um so for what i did for that match i did a ton of um airdyne bike stuff so the assault bike which is a bike with those giant fans that gives you a lot, a lot of resistance i did a ton of that i did some circuit stuff that had a lot of kettlebell swings push-ups squats i was mostly doing goblet squats more than anything and jumping squats more than anything but i was doing it in circuits sometimes with battle ropes um i was doing some things that I, i'm lucky enough to work with a guy named jim ferris that is a, a pretty well-known strength and conditioning coach. Um, works with a lot of basketball guys guys that play overseas guys that used to be in the nba uh and guys that are headed towards the nba or even in the nba um and like things that were like very specific to trying to get me to react on the fly like you've seen me do this in class the shoulder touch thing with the push-ups they touch one shoulder you tap the shoulder they touch the other shoulder you tap the other shoulder they touch both shoulders you do a push-up and then it also leads to this like stress that makes you get tense and tired faster and it also teaches you how are you going to recover when you make a mistake. Um so I think there is a ton of value and I feel personally from you, I feel because you still do obviously strength and conditioning stuff, it does matter. It gives you that extra thing. I'm like, man, I like sometimes I'm like, yeah, we're gonna roll, I'm gonna exhaust you and I'm like, I realize I'm not gonna get you tired. Like you're not you, you still have a lot left in the tank, you know? And and so it definitely makes a difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. well, again, like like what what Dave said, you know, first and foremost, technique rules all. That's why we're martial artists. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. That's the most important thing. Um, but Dave said it real well there. Why am I not getting exhausted, even though I have a maybe for lack of of years that I've put into jujitsu so far? But why am I have do I have such a physical style? Uh, well, I'm sorry, the reason I have such a physical style is is because I have the strength behind it. But the reason I'm not getting tired is partially because I'm learning the techniques a little better, but partially it's pushing myself with uh, the strength and conditioning. Like I was saying that, you know, when you're when you're in the middle of a match with somebody and, you know, you, you you may be, I don't know, at least maybe I do sometimes, even just in a role with somebody who's giving me trouble, sometimes I'll question what I'm doing or I'll be... I will feel a little tired. Even though, like Dave said, it, it doesn't feel like he's tired, I still can still be exerting myself or or, or doing whatever i'm doing and still keep struggling i could be struggling to keep the intensity going but i could still you know be feeling it while i'm still putting the same output out just because you can go for a long time doesn't mean it's always easy for you yeah but anyway my point though is that um you know when you're in the middle when you're middle of a role with somebody or a match with somebody and you know you know you start to question yourself or you start to Get that, that 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 inexplicable feeling that you only understand if you've if you've been a martial artist competing against somebody. The strength and conditioning can help push you through that mentally. So when I do mine, you know whatever it is that I'm doing, um, there are times where I'm all alone. Sometimes it's really late at night. You know it's after work. Sometimes before work, I've just woken up, uh, and I gotta do a million lunges and a million. You know, whatever it is that I'm doing sequentially, you know, while I have my timer, timing how long I'm doing this for, I'll go rounds anywhere from three minutes up to, I mean, I've done 15 minutes of just continuous lifting nonstop. And the only thing that's pushing you through it is your own mind and the sweat's dripping, and you feel like you just want to put down whatever it is you're lifting. um, If you can force yourself to care about what you're doing enough and be motivated about what you're doing enough and mentally strong enough to push through that, kind of like a wrestler's grind would be when you train when you do roll with somebody or you you do get to a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition uh, you're gonna be surprised how much you can keep going
0: so we gotta start to wrap it up I just wanted to wrap it up a little bit uh, just by saying you used to tell me stories about like pretty much putting on Soundgarden going into the garage training until the point where you pretty much couldn't pick yourself up off the floor pretty much crawl back into your house and then eat Uh, like ice cream and Mm -hmm. pizzas and then go to sleep and then do it again the next day um i i mean i just think most people have never pushed themselves to that point with anything and there's this thing one of my my good friends used to say all the time who's a musician he'd be like man anybody can do anything they just most people find out the amount of work and sacrifice they have to do to to make that thing happen and they just go i'm good whether they say it out loud or not they go it's i'm good they're like oh i could be a doctor but i got to do all this schoolwork and i have to invest all this money in it i'm good (laughs) i I, I could i I could go work for nasa wait i have to do all these things to go do do for nasa and for some people people don't understand the value maybe some of these other things they don't always see the financial rewards attached to it it's like why would you want to go get beat up all the time like this for like what like so you're saying that if you win IBJJF Worlds, you're you're not gonna get paid really anything? Yeah, but you, you, for that day, you're the best dude in the world at jujitsu. Right. Like like that means a lot to a lot of people. Might not mean anything to you.
1: Well, we also, I mean, like, even I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure this probably applies to other people. Is all right. So there's probably some really high level belts that might be listening, or some some people who have won some high level competitions, or are on their way to doing that, training for it now, but. Like, I'm sure we've all, and I, I put a lot of work and time into my training now, even though it might not mean much to, to anyone. It, but it means something to me. And powerlifting it did, I was good yeah. at it. It doesn't, but it means something to me now, and I'm learning jiu-jitsu. But my point, though, is that I'm sure there are things that we've all tried, even though we're dedicated to this, I'm sure there's all things we've tried before and thought, hey, I'd like to do this. Yeah. Then you start to do it, and then you say, wait a minute, no, nope, I'm good. <laughs> and then you move on to the yeah, next yeah, thing. Yeah. Jiu- right, so it's like, you know, the, the people that might not be like, you know, you know physically you know they might not be challenging themselves physically they might be doing something else at a level that that we're doing it's just not physical yeah yeah of course yeah so it's, you got to you know you just pick what it is that Damn. matters and it ha- you ha- your own you have to matter enough to yourself and your desires and you have to realize that it's such a corny saying that it's worth it. You're worth it. <laughs> it's pretty stupid, but I yeah. mean, it's true though. You're worth it to put that level when nobody else is watching and nobody else cares. If you get up and put in the work that you want for whatever it is you decide and you do it, you know, repetitively over the years, you will have what you want eventually. You know, before you close it up though, I did want to say one thing. And yeah. the main thing I want to tell everybody here because not everybody enjoys lifting weights. Some people might not be sold on the idea. I totally get it. Everybody has a different opinion. But I feel like if you are interested in lifting weights and you do want to increase your abilities as a martial artist or as an athlete in general, even if it's golf, do deadlifts. <laughs> Use good form. Don't hurt yourself. I mean, you really need to get with a trainer or, or you know, if you're physically inclined, kind of like, you know, watch some videos and really – and, you know, when you first start doing your deadlifts, you know, treat it like – you know, treat it like you're doing textbook form and and, and – and sacrifice the weight for textbook form until you get more experience and realize what you can and cannot do movement-wise. Um, I'd say for the first six months to a year, you're doing them. Um, but, you know, if there's one thing you take from all the rambling that I gave you today, <laughs> it, is, it is is that if I had to skip every single exercise out there and leave one left, it would be the deadlift.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. Uh, I'm sure I'll have you on here again, hopefully next time. Dan will be here, too. He's off in the U.K. enjoying himself, doing some uh, awesome training with uh, Ian Abernathy. And, yeah, he'll be back soon, and thanks for listening.